0: Praise him till I'm gone. I'm gone, praise him, praise him till I'm gone. When the places go up, the blessings blessings come come down, down. the blessings come down. When the places go up, oh the blessings come down. The blessings come down when the places go up. Like blessings keep falling in my lap.
1: All right, all right. How we doing, C12? Y'all doing good? It's a good night. It's the best night of the week. Thursday night is my favorite night of the week. So good to see all of you. Hey, before we get started, I got to know, how many of you, do we have any, like, just graduated from college? You walked, you did all that? You're, you're, come on. Raise your hand. Congratulations, congratulations, so proud of you, Hassan was one of them too, there you go right there, way to go buddy, you got your own, you got your own applause, way to go. Hey, uh, man it's so good to see you guys and I'm really excited about tonight and I'm really even more excited, I got an eyelash in my eye, it's bothering me. Uh, I'm even more excited about what's going on this summer. We got a bunch of stuff going on. Obviously, the Gwinnett Braves game is a lot of fun. The summer kickoff is going to be a lot of fun. You guys are most excited about the kiddie pool full of beverages, I guess. Paying, like, a ton of money for a macaroni and cheese food truck. But whatever, get excited about the kiddie pool full of beverages. Uh, whatever whatever gets you here I'm okay with it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, we got some good things going on this summer but I want to tell you real quick uh, why we do these things just so you know obviously we we like to have fun I think Christians should have the most fun out of everybody we got something to have fun about you know uh, but it's not just for fun we, we're not really in the business of entertaining you uh, I'm not an event planner I, I actually hate planning events it's not my thing but uh, we do do it for a reason. And I want to tell you what that is, if you don't already know. I Man, really two reasons. One of them is we believe that community is super important to your life. It's, it's one of the most important things, actually, and we want to give you an opportunity to connect with other people your age, maybe in the same kind of, you know, place in life that you're in, and so we do things outside of church to give you that kind of opportunity, and I know you got friends at school, friends at work, friends everywhere in your neighborhood, is that still a thing, do you play with kids in your neighborhood like you did, maybe not, uh, you got friends everywhere, But hopefully here at C12, you can find a solid group of friends that, you know, may not be perfect and may not be completely rid of drama. Y'all know Christians still have drama. It's a thing. It's okay. It's okay. It may not, we're not perfect. But uh, one thing we do have in common is that we believe that Jesus Christ died, he rose again, and he's come to give us life and give it abundantly. And I believe that because we have that thing in common, there's power in our community. And so we want to give you opportunities to connect in community. And then also, uh, not just you, we want to give you opportunities to invite other people to connect into community. And uh, I don't. if you got friends that maybe have given up on church, maybe they uh, don't like church anymore, maybe they uh, have tried it out, maybe they're not into the God thing anymore. Well, then inviting them to a Thursday night service where we're going to have worship music and this guy's going to teach out of the Bible, uh, they may not come to that. But there's a good chance that they'll come to something with a kiddie pool full of beverages, you know. So... Uh, So we want to give you opportunities to invite other people into our community, and uh, I believe that God will do some great things with that. So I hope you take the opportunity to do that, because I can't do that for you, so it's all up to you. So go get them. Well, how many of you came last week to the beginning of the Blessed Life? Obviously, we're being inspired by Chance the Rapper and, uh, and what it means to have blessings and live in the blessed life. I, I really, I love this series and the idea of what we're talking about. Uh, but I got to be honest with you, I had the idea of the series and then I got into it, started studying it, and I thought, oh my goodness, I, I may have gotten in over my head with this topic because it's really complicated and it's really hard to talk about because we just throw out the word blessed, we just throw out the word blessing. And we, it's really a, a tough thing to define. And so we're going after it for these three weeks, just doing our best to define and, and learn what Scripture says about what it means to be blessed and to have a blessed life. And so we started it last week, and I want to kind of catch you up. If you weren't here, uh, let me just review a little bit, or if you were here, maybe it'll help to remind you a little bit. The first thing we did is we defined uh, what blessed means. And so we're looking at this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 5. It's kind of the, the, the big passage in the New Testament where Jesus talks about what it means to be blessed. And so if you remember, it's blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are all these things that list out. And so we want to know, well, what does scripture mean? And so we looked at the Greek word. Hello. Anybody love Greek? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We looked at the Greek word, which I I have a hard time pronouncing. I even went on Google uh, today and said, how do you pronounce this word? And I kind of forgot already. It was something like makareas. It kind of sounds like uh, makarena. It kind of sounds like that, but it's not. Anyways, it's an M word, and uh, the the, the word literally means this. It means to be fully satisfied in Jesus. To be fully satisfied in Jesus. Now, already that definition kind of butts heads with what we normally use the word blessed for, right? We, We normally use it for good things that happen in our life. I'm blessed because I just, you know, got a new boyfriend or something. Like, that's, we use the word only for good things that happen in our life, but yet scripture tells us that the word actually means to be fully satisfied in Jesus. And so the biggest thing that you need to know going into it is that being blessed is an internal condition, not external circumstances. Living a blessed life and being blessed is about internal conditions, not external circumstances. That's extremely important important for our conversations over the next few weeks. But like a a good father does... uh, Our heavenly Father, God, loves to give good things to his children. He loves to give good things to his children. He desires to give you good things in your life. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 9, Jesus is talking to a group of people, and he says this. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? You wouldn't do that. says, if you then, though you are evil... If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So our God, our Heavenly Father, loves to give us good things. And and you got to know that. That's, That's what he wants to do. He wants to give us good things in our life. I think about my own son, seven months old. I'm already... Loving buying him things. I, I spend way too much money on buying him uh, clothes and shoes that he grows out of in like one month. It's ridiculous. I don't know. It's kind of a waste of money. But I just love giving him good things and new toys, and he has no idea. He'd rather play with our remote control, even though I've bought him a ton of other like toys to play with. He he doesn't really know. But I love giving him good things, and it's not necessarily just because I want him to have a good thing. Really, it's because I want him to understand that the good thing reminds him of the good giver and i want to establish a relationship with him where when he has this good thing he's reminded of the person that gave it to him and there's this relationship between me and my son uh, hopefully where that where he, when he sees a good thing or has a good thing he's reminded of the giver you know and and i think that's just like our father he desires to give us good things but but not really just so you can have good things, but so that the good thing would remind you of the giver of the good thing. He wants to remind you of his goodness, of his faithfulness, of his provision in your life, of his security. He wants to remind you of all these things. And so he loves giving you good things. So when you get a new job, you got to know that, The uh, good job is the avenue by which God wants to bless you. So it's the avenue by which he wants to remind you of his goodness. He wants to remind you of his faithfulness in your life. That he never left you nor forsake you. He was watching out for you. He gave you this job. So the, the job isn't necessarily the blessing. It's the avenue by which he delivers the blessing of you being fully satisfied in him when you understand his goodness and his faithfulness and his characteristics. And what's even more crazy is that God can use even the pain in your life to bring you blessings. God can use even the pain in your life to bring you <laughs> blessings. I was thinking, uh, how many of you, actually, I want to ask how many of you, maybe some of you, don't raise your hand, maybe some of you, you've been through like a breakup in a relationship, and in the moment, it was extremely painful. In the moment, you were like, this is awful. This is the worst heartache I've ever experienced. And you were up all night crying for days or maybe weeks and hopefully not years. Hopefully you got over it. But, <laughs> but it, it broke your heart. It was painful and it was rough. And then maybe weeks, months, whatever, however long it took, maybe down the road at some point, you looked back and you thought, wow, I'm so glad I'm so glad that God allowed me that pain because he had something better in mind. You know, like like he caused this to happen because he had a future blessing for me. And so it's just an example of how God can work through your pain to bring you a blessing. But I realize that when we talk about uh, God using pain to bring blessings, we're all coming to the table with, with different pain. And maybe you're like, Austin, that's a great example but you don't know my pain. And there's no way that you can say my pain is a blessing. And I would completely agree, and so I wanna just kinda give you some context behind this conversation. It's a large, large conversation about pain and blessing, but I wanna just give you some context to give us some clarity for where we're going. Um, Just because God can use our pain to lead us to a blessed life doesn't mean that he caused the pain to happen you got to know this. This is, this is crucial. Just because God can use the pain to lead us to a blessed life doesn't mean that he caused that pain to happen. You need to know this. You and I live in a cursed world. Cursed. It's evil. It's broken. It's sinful. It's the world that we live in. And because of that, you and I experience pain, hurt, heartache, rejection, loss, death, we experience some deep, deep things, disease, that is a result of the cursed world that we live in, that's broken, and so we experience these things, and one day Jesus will return and he'll remove all of that, when he reconciles heaven and earth together, And there will be no more of that, and that will be a great day. But until then, it's a fact of life that it exists, and you can't escape it. And you and I will face it. And some will face it differently than others, but it's just a fact of life. And so what I don't want you to hear me say is that uh, God causes those things to happen to you. And so if you would just realize that he's trying to bring you a blessing in the middle of the pain, then you would be a better person. I'm not saying that. You, you can't tell me that, you know, my, my mother-in-law is suffering from ovarian cancer and that it's just a blessing hidden in disguise. I'm sorry, you just, you can't tell me that. No, it freaking sucks. It's not a blessing at all. You can't tell me that uh, people are committing suicide, but somehow it's a way that God's just really just trying to bless us. And it's, no, no, it's not. It's evil. It's corrupt. It's a part of the broken world that we live in. You can't tell me that little children are being raped by grown men, and yet I'm supposed to believe that it's a blessing. So I'm not saying that. You understand? I'm not saying that those are blessings. What I am saying is that our God is so good that even through the evil and the terrible tragedy that we experience in this broken, cursed life, he's so good that he can allow good things to come into your life And he can allow you to have a blessed life and experience full satisfaction in him even through those things. Not that he caused it, but even in the middle of it, you can be fully satisfied in him. And so I just want to make that clear because I think that's an important distinction of when we talk about God can bring blessing in your pain. Living blessed is me inviting God to satisfy me in all situations. Not calling all situations blessed. It's inviting God to satisfy me in all situations. Not calling all situations blessed. So we good? We on the same page here? So I want to read the scripture that we uh, started with last week in Matthew chapter 5. And uh, just kind of walk through it together a little bit. But Jesus lays out in Matthew chapter 5 the inner attributes of someone who is blessed. So it's really cool that that Jesus doesn't just say, hey, you can be blessed and fully satisfied in me, go get it. (laughs) No, he actually lays it out of, here's what you can go after if you want that life. So page 968, if you're looking in your Bibles, if not, we'll have it on the screen. Anybody got coffee? Cool. (laughs) verse, uh, let's look, verse 3 through 10, verse 3 through 10, it says this, says, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who, per, who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What's interesting to me is that every single one of these is an inner attribute except for that last one. Every single one of them is an inner condition. So I want to spend the rest of the night, just a few minutes, talking about the first one. The first, uh, it's called a B-attitude. B-attitude, verse 3. Because the rest of them actually flow from that. So if the first doesn't exist, the rest can't exist. They all flow from the very first one. So it says this, blessed are the poor in spirit. Aren't you glad it doesn't just say blessed are the poor? That would be awful. You'd be like, sweet, I'm going to get my degree in college so I can be poor. That sounds sweet. I'm so glad it doesn't say blessed are the poor. I've, uh, I've grown up in church nearly all of my life. I don't know why I said nearly, literally all of my life I've grown up in the church. And um I feel like whenever, whenever people talked about blessed or grateful, gratitude, thankfulness, uh, there was always this kind of stigma behind it. And they taught it like uh, they would say, you are blessed and you should be grateful because there are people in other countries who don't have nearly what you have. And they would show a video of starving kids in Africa or something like that. And, uh, and to that, I would say, absolutely, I agree. I am very, very fortunate that, that I'm not in that situation. But it kind of just created this uh, thing in me where I started wondering, did I do something wrong? Like, is, is it bad of me that I was born in the United States and born into a family that, uh, you know, we never really struggled to put food on the table? It was just there? Like, it, should I feel guilty that that was kind of the cards that were handed to me, I guess you could say? And so it just made me feel this, like, weirdness about blessed that, that, well, I should, you know, you should always feel blessed because you don't have or you have more than what other people have. And, and I agree. I'm very, very fortunate. But when we're talking about what it means to be blessed from God, is that really an accurate description? So I want to give you a few thoughts about this. Um, Psychologists and sociologists describe life in sort of an economic pyramid, and you kind of have this uh, pyramid that describes the rich and wealthy at the top, and then it works its way down, and it gets a little wider, and you've got the middle class and, and you know, those people, and then at the very bottom, you've got these super poor, like extremely uh, poverty-stricken people. And they say that you only experience good and need based on the environment or the society that you live in. You only experience good things and need based on the society that you live in. Some of you have uh, some really rich friends. Don't you love those friends? Some really wealthy friends. And uh, they grew up in the upper part of the pyramid, right? Right. And so to them, nice things is like, I got a new car for Christmas. You're like, what? I got like a stocking. That was, that was my <laughs> gift. But they're like, I got a new, that was their nice thing. To them, need is they need a, a new outfit every day. They can't wear the same outfit more than once. That would be crazy, right? But that's, that's how they would define nice things and need based on the society, the environment that they live in. Then you work your way down a little bit and you've got this other middle class and, and maybe that was you and you grew up in, in the United States maybe and you had food on the table and, and, and you didn't ever have to worry about having a roof over your head. And so how you define nice things, maybe, I don't, I don't know how you, how you define it. I, I got, you know, a new pair of shoes. I get a new pair of shoes every six months. That's my nice thing. Or how you define need is, you know, I I need, I don't know, what do you need? I need money. <laughs> I don't know how you define it, but it's different than what people at the top. And then you get even lower than you, okay? Then you go even lower than you to the people in Kenya. I'm going to Kenya this summer. Anybody else? Are you here? Anybody? People going to Kenya? Okay, okay, cool. Um Going to Kenya this summer, and so extreme poverty. And so nice things to them is a roof over their head made of mud. That's like a nice thing for them. Uh, need for them is water. And that's, that's what they need. They need water. I went to uh, Haiti a few years back, and I'll never forget, we came across this young girl about seven years old, and she had a, a third-degree burn on her hand that her mom had spilt some boiling water on her. And so uh, how they treated this is they went and got uh, goat manure and put it on her third degree burn because something about they thought that that would would heal it. And so when we got to her, it didn't heal it. It was all infected and, and disgusting. I'll never forget that moment in Haiti. So their need And what they define as nice things is completely different. So, which one is blessed? Hard question, right? Which one is blessed? Neither. None. Because you don't define blessed based on external circumstances. You define it on internal condition. So, we can say, obviously, that we are a lot more fortunate that that's not the world we live in. But if blessed is internal, not external, I'm telling you, I've met a lot of people that are a lot more poor and live in poverty than me in Haiti, and they have a lot more joy, and they have a lot more gratitude about life, and they're closer with Jesus than I will ever be because they depend on him every day. I've met rich people that, have a, that are more fully satisfied with Jesus than I am. So you can't define blessed based on external circumstances. It has to be an internal thing. Anyone who tells you that you're blessed if you have more money or that you're blessed if you have nothing has not studied the Bible because the Bible defines it as being fully satisfied in Jesus, not external circumstances. So thankfully, Jesus doesn't say blessed are the poor. He says blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean, the poor in spirit? Well, once again, I went to the Greek. I know you guys don't care about the Greek, but the word for poor in the Greek is translated to mean beggar, beggar, lacking in anything, literally a a destitute place of no hope, and I have nothing to offer. That's what it means, to have that poor poverty mentality in spirit doesn't mean that I am insignificant or that I have no value that's not true it means that I am listen up it means that I am sinful and rebellious and utterly inadequate to reach God I am completely spiritually bankrupt and I can't do anything to get to him I have nothing to offer this. I have nothing to bring to the spiritual table without the mercy and grace of Jesus. I bring nothing without him. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. I think most of us understand this theologically like the reason I need Jesus you know, at the moment of salvation is because it's by grace alone and, and through faith. So at the moment of salvation, uh, I can't get to him just by myself. I need Jesus. So we understand that. We pray the sinner's prayer, and then we're good. And it's like we're on a, a 0 to 10 scale, and the moment I say the sinner's prayer, I get salvation, I automatically jump to like a 3, you know, and then I'm at a three, and then, uh, you know, I'm walking with Jesus, and I, and I memorized some scripture, or maybe I read through the whole Bible, and now I'm at a five. And then I, I really conquered that sin that I was struggling with, so that put me at a seven. And it's like we're on this, this journey of getting to a ten, and, and I just want you to know that it's not true, that Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, not just at the moment of salvation, Throughout your journey with Jesus, a a posture of, I have nothing to offer this, and I'm at a zero every day when I wake up. Not that I need salvation every day, but my posture in my walk with God is, I'm at zero. And I have nothing to offer without the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. I'm in desperate need of him, because I cannot do this. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. And and there is spiritual maturity and that kind of thing, but that doesn't come without the power and the grace of Jesus. So every day I'm at a zero in desperate need of Jesus. That's what it means to be poor in spirit, to be spiritually bankrupt. Listen up, you may want to write this down. Maturity doesn't happen at the sinner's prayer. Maturity stays in the sinner's prayer. It's not something that just happens at the sinner's prayer. Maturity stays in the sinner's prayer. That I never leave that. God, I'm desperate for you, and without you, I've got nothing to bring to the table today. I've got nothing without you. And you can always tell when someone thinks they've grown out of the sinner's prayer because they grow out of loving other sinners. You can always tell. When someone thinks they grow out of the sinner's prayer because they grow out of loving other sinners. And many people, probably some of your friends, have uh, given up on church, Christians, maybe even Jesus. Because they met people who weren't poor in spirit. They met people who were rich in spirit. People who had this I'm better than you mentality. Maybe you've walked through that. Maybe you've experienced that. I, I bet you the majority of 18 to 25-year-olds, kind of our community, have given up on Christianity. And the reason is because of their past experience with a Christian or with a church. And because most of our experience with other Christians consists of, I just feel like like they're somehow better than me. And I feel like they're looking down. You catch what I'm saying? Yeah. Isn't that the case for most I'm so grateful uh, for you guys. I I honestly don't feel like that's our story as a community. I honestly don't feel like that's us. And uh, I feel like we are a welcoming community and we remember that we're poor in spirit and that I was once where they were or even today I am where they were or they are. I'm desperate for Jesus just like they are. I think we are like that. But we have to remember that every time we gather we have the potential of becoming a holy huddle that shuts out sinners. Every time we gather, we have that potential of becoming this holy huddle. And we have to decide that we won't let that happen. It is our decision to decide that we will not be those kinds of people. Many many ministries, gatherings, communities, churches, whatever you want to say, have kind of labeled themselves as a, uh, a refuge from the world, a place where you can come and get away from the nastiness and the dirtiness and the, the sinning and the grossness of everything outside of the church wall. So come in. Everybody come in here, and you can escape all that. But I want you to know, as long as I'm here, if, maybe, if you're new, let me just introduce myself to you. Uh, as long as I'm here, We will fight to be a refuge, not from the world, but for the world. So everyone who is out there, disgusting, sick, nasty, whatever, sinning, please come in. We are a refuge for you. We're not trying to get in our holy huddle and get away from you. We're saying we are for you. And you know why? Because I'm the same person. I'm poor in spirit. I've got nothing to offer. I've got nothing. I'm desperate, desperate, just like the person who doesn't look like me, just like the person who doesn't vote like me, just like the person who doesn't act like me or talk like me or listen to the same music that I do. I'm desperate for him, and we will be a refuge not from the world but for the world. Come on in. The doors are open. But it starts with you. It starts with you. And every day you wake up, you have potential of becoming rich in spirit and not living blessed. Every day you fight the battle of becoming rich in spirit and therefore not living blessed. Becoming puffed up in your own righteousness and forgetting that you're spiritually bankrupt every day without Jesus. So that was the first six words of the verse. The next part says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. It means two things. And Jamie, you can go ahead and come back up if you want man. play something real smooth behind me. It'd be nice. Make me sound better than I am. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It means two things. First, For those who are poor in spirit, who recognize their need, recognize their desperation for Jesus. For those who are poor in spirit, get eternal life in heaven. Eternal life with Jesus. For theirs is the kingdom. That's great news. You get the keys. That one day you'll spend eternity with him. Amen to that, right? But it doesn't only mean that. It also means for they they receive the authority of God. In this life, now. When Jesus was here on earth, he said multiple times, he'd walk into places and he would say, the kingdom of heaven is near. One time he said, the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of God has come. And then he was given the disciples instructions for how to live when they would go off. And he said, go, go and tell them that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God has come. In fact, I'll read it to you. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, it says that these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions He said, Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then he tells them this Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received freely give. So he says, tell them the kingdom of God has come. It's near, it's here. And then do these miraculous things. So God is on a mission to bring the kingdom of God to earth. And he does that through the gospel of Jesus Christ through you. So... In your life, you're sharing the gospel with people. You're you're reaching people for Jesus. That's how he is spreading the kingdom of heaven throughout this earth. And it won't ever be fully spread until the day that Jesus comes back when earth and heaven will reconcile and be one and it will be a great day. But until then, he's using you as a messenger of the gospel to spread the kingdom of God, which means that you carry that inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit which means where you go, the kingdom of God goes. Where you walk into, the kingdom of God goes with you. You carry that authority. Can you imagine walking into your classroom? Kingdom of God's here. That's weird. Don't do that. Don't do that. But, but literally, where, where you go as a follower of Jesus, as a carrier of the Holy Spirit, where you go, the kingdom of God goes. The authority of God goes with you. The power of God goes with you. So isn't it crazy that the verse starts with blessed are the poor in spirit. Like this, you got nothing to offer. You're desperate for Jesus every day. I need him. And then a few words later, it says, for theirs is the kingdom. They walk with the authority of God. So if I will posture myself in such a way where I say, God, I got nothing. I need you. I am am spiritually bankrupt every day without you. If that's my posture, then on the other hand, i walk with the authority of God like the disciples did to heal people to do crazy, miraculous things because they carried the kingdom of God with them. Unfortunately, the reason why we don't see that kind of stuff in our world today as often is because we're not poor in spirit. So imagine if more of us would go after what it looked like to be poor in spirit. I think we would begin to see God move in power. I love that the scriptures say that God lifts up the humble, the humble, the poor in spirit. Eventually, God lifts them up. And so my question uh, for you tonight is, what's your posture? Are you poor in spirit or are you rich in spirit? I got this. I'm at like a six, six and a half, been doing good. Had a few quiet times this week. I'm straight. Or are you poor in spirit? Oh, I'm, I'm working towards spiritual maturity, but it's not on my own. It's, it's with a desperation of I need the power of Jesus every day and the grace and mercy of him every single day. Because I am a sinner and I am poor in spirit. I got nothing to offer. And so I'd like to just lead us into a time of prayer. Because I think that many of us, many of us are trying to operate out of our own spiritual goodness, our own spiritual scale, hoping that one day we get to 10. And you can do that, but I don't think you'll ever see the kingdom of God invade your life and thus invade the earth like God created it to be. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes, and I just want to, Give you a chance to kind of investigate your own life, to look into yourself and go, where am I at? When was the last time I approached God being poor in spirit? And is it possible that maybe that's the reason why I'm not seeing him move in my life like I really want to? Is it possible that that's where it's breaking down? I just want to invite you, if if you would, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, just, if you want to pray, God, I need to begin to be poor in spirit. I need something to change inside of me. Would you just kind of open your hands where you're at and just invite the Holy Spirit to begin that in your life just as a posture of God I'm desperate for you I'm in desperate need of you I can't do this on my own I've got nothing to bring to the table without you And then I want to ask you to do something else. Would you pray that God would make our community in this place the type of place that is a refuge for the world? That we don't become a, a, a place that puts ourselves above others, but that we continually remember that we are poor in spirit. believe in taking a break over the summer, I don't believe in going a little bit lighter and just maybe taking a little spiritual break and just having a little fun, I don't believe in that, I think it's time to pick it up, I think it's time for us to begin to pray that God would bring people into our group, into our ministry, who are in desperate need of a Savior, maybe even for the first time. Would you ask that God would would make you the kind of person, not just that we'd be the kind of ministry, but that God would make you the kind of person that can act as a refuge for the world, the kind of person that people wanna run to, they're okay with with confessing some of their dirtiness. They're okay with confessing where they've messed up. They're okay with with being that because, because you remember that you're poor in spirit. Would you ask God to just make you that kind of person I pray that over our group and over each of these young people as individuals, God, I pray that, uh, I pray that we would be so poor in spirit that there is not a single person that could take us to the place of thinking that they are way too far from God. They've done way too many wrongs. But God, that you would allow us, the people in this room, to stand out and be a refuge for those people. And God, we ask and we beg that you would bring them to us, that you would bring them to us. And Father, that what takes place in this room would be nothing short of miraculous because each and every one of us recognizes our own need for you, our own desperation for you. And then God, that as a result, we would walk in the power and the authority that you have given us to see your kingdom come to earth. So once you do that in us, Father, we pray. invite you just to stand to your feet. and We're going to close in a worship song and maybe even a time for you to continue to pray, continue to worship, continue to ask God to reveal things in your own life. Let's go.